0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. As many regular listeners are aware, with this podcast, we interview people from around the world who have used cannabis to treat very serious illnesses and diseases. In some cases, doctors have given up on them and offered no hope.
1: And we do this to help as many people as we possibly can with inspiring stories of those who have made remarkable, positive changes in their health through the use of cannabis. Our mission at Cannabis Health Radio is to make a difference in the lives of others. But we can't do this alone. We
0: need your help. To assist us in continuing our work, go to the Donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com and make a financial contribution today.
1: You can find various ways to support us, either through a one-time donation or a monthly contribution through Patreon. This is listener-supported radio, folks, and we do need your help, both in helping others and to keep us up and running. Please make a contribution today. Both Ian and I thank you for your support, and thank you for
0: listening. In August of last year, our guest ended up in an emergency room of his local hospital where he was diagnosed with cancer. Joining us from Central Europe is Bert, who does not want us to use his last name, so we'll respect that. Bert, good of you to do this, and thanks for getting in touch with us to tell your story. Thank you. Take us back to last summer and tell us some of the symptoms you were experiencing that forced you to go to the hospital.
2: It was a really slow building thing. and um, I, I wasn't really paying attention to it. I, I get kind of involved in my work and and I, I guess I want to ignore anything that's wrong or interfering with my work. and but you know what had been happening was had real you know trouble going to the bathroom. It would be, you know just frequent you know, four or five times every morning, you know, and then, and then, okay, it's done. I get on with my work. Another thing was that I'd get really tired. I'd wake up in the morning and for no reason I was, I felt like somebody'd run over me with a truck in the night and, and I just couldn't, I mean, you didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, you're awake, you have to get out of bed, but I, it, it just was it was just and it was overwhelming but then you know three or four cups of coffee later and I'm you know I'm up and about and doing my work again so I just I just was ignoring this stuff and thinking well maybe I need to just you know uh, I'll eat a little better or I'll stop eating this or something but you know I was ignoring it and finally I, well blood started coming and you know coming out when I was you
0: know on the toilet on the toilet.
2: First it was a little bit, then it was a little bit more, and I, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll maybe I'll try and adjust my diet a little. I'll be careful. I'll cut out dairy products. Maybe that's irritable bowel syndrome or something. And then one night, it just started flowing, and um, it was coming out in such large quantities and so fast that uh, that you know it it didn't take a lot of figuring to decide that I better. I better go to the hospital because if it continued, I wouldn't have enough blood in the morning to be alive. So, I went to the I went to the emergency room, and what it turned out to be, and I, I guess I'm just a you know I, I think I am a really lucky person in some ways, but uh, what it turned out to be was uh, a burst hemorrhoid that was doing the bleeding, and because of this, it was an internal one, you know, so I didn't even know it existed, and. Uh, It turned out that, um, you know, because of that, they found this tumor. Normally, like the guy in the emergency room, the doctor there was, you know, he said, well, it's, you know, it's a really good thing you came in.
0: It is a really good thing you came in.
2: Yeah, it was like, who who on the planet would ever think that a burst hemorrhoid would be something lucky?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Were you having any pain?
2: No, see that's the thing. They said that that typically the doctors told me later that um, they said you you were really lucky because with this type of tumor in this location, um, you're not going to feel any pain until it's too late, until you've got cancer throughout your body. Because I guess this is this type of cancer is really good at spreading to other body parts,
1: mm-hmm. seeding up. it
2: works. It's, it works its way through the wall of the rectum and then it. It just goes crazy. It'll go into your liver, very likely go into your liver, into your lungs, prostate, lymph nodes. You know, it just it just has a party.
0: Bert, what did uh, what did it do to you emotionally when the doctor said you have a tumor, rectal tumor?
2: You know, um, it didn't really affect me at all. It, it kind of just made sense. Also, oh, you know, it, it was like. All of a sudden, everything stopped, and I kind of realized how bad I was feeling. Mm, And and when he told me that, it was like, well, you know what? That really makes sense. And I I didn't really feel anything. I was in kind of a fog of, of, I I think, just general ill health. It's, you know, it was like I almost wasn't there. I was outside of myself or something. But it, it, it I didn't have any great, like, emotional response to it. My first response was, is okay, I've got to do something.
0: Yeah, it sounds you know? to me, hearing you talk, that once the doctor diagnosed you with a tumor, it was... Probably within you somehow, in your subconscious, a sense of relief that my God, they finally found out what's wrong with me. Why I'm so tired. Why I'm bleeding, and now we can do something about it. That-
2: yeah, I, you know what? You you may be a hundred percent right in that.
0: So, you know? what was your what was your next move?
2: Well, um, the next day, I um, scheduled an appointment with a uh, you know specialist, oncologist. For that area, gastrointestinal oncologist, and who was also a surgeon, you know, he kind of confirmed everything, and and uh, we started scheduling all the tests, you know, that had to had to come up. So there was, uh, uh, you know, MRIs, couple MRIs, one of the just the that area, another one that kind of was from the the lungs down. And then I also got an x-ray of the lung area because they were because this cancer does spread. So they were checking basically everything from the crotch to the neck, you know. And everything came up with with, with nothing. There was no sign of any cancer anywhere except, you know, in that one spot. So once again, I was, you know, I was incredibly lucky.
0: And you opted for chemo and radiation, correct?
2: Well, that's what they prescribed and like i say i was i was kind of like in this fog of (laughs) just Mm -hmm. kind of waking up after a long sleep and doing whatever anybody told me and so that's what they they uh but it didn't start it didn't start for um it was the last week of september that that started so it was over a month from the original diagnosis, but you know, in that time there were blood tests and MRIs and the X-rays and and um, a colonoscopy, you know, biopsy. Those things all took place. I think that was may have been the first thing they did. So, were you doing any research
1: into possible alternative uh, modes of treatment at that stage in the game?
2: Well, the only thing that really happened at that stage, as far as alternatives, um, was that a couple of people, um, family members and a close friend, had had mentioned, uh, you know, cannabis. Just like with my reaction to, you know, the chemotherapy and the radiation treatments, you know, those being suggested, I'm like, okay, I'm going ahead. Well, they suggested this, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I immediately ordered seeds. So from Amsterdam and got them and got them going. So that was at that point, that was the only, you know, up until the uh, chemotherapy and stuff started, that was the only steps I had taken in that direction. And really the only research I had done in that direction, because I was still just reading everything I could about what I had. And, um, you know, from a me- from the medical standpoint mm-hmm. you know to, I wanted to understand what the hospital was doing
1: Bert, is cannabis oil um, in the area that you're living is it available or is your only option to grow your own plant material and get it that way or oh, good the,
2: Lord, it's, it's, its it's completely
1: illegal okay um, so not easy, I
2: mean, not easy to find at all I'd be looking at jail time I I, I wouldn't even know how to um, start to, you know, yeah, yeah. You couldn't even approach anyone. I mean, it's mm. it's. Uh, uh, so I had to go to Amsterdam
1: and, and grow your own. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay.
0: Tell me about uh, your trip to Amsterdam and and uh, how you you managed to to deal with with your ailment there.
2: Well, that was much later. That was, I mean, that was after. Um, that was after the uh, I'd done the radiation and chemo. And then had a follow-up MRI, which had shown that that it had done some good, messed up other parts of my body. But um, I I was very lucky, uh, once again, very lucky person. I have a a really good friend in Amsterdam who is also a doctor, a general practitioner. I had let her know what was going on and everything. And um, she was just like an angel or something, just extremely helpful in, in every way that you could imagine. And helped me to, you know, get the... Get the material. I mean, by that time, of course, I had read about Rick Simpson oil and decided I was going to do that. So, you know, and so she, she helped me through the whole process, and and uh, we made the oil, and I got, got um, I came back with uh, twenty-one grams of um, of material.
1: What was, so the st- was the- Sorry, um, what was the status of your cancer at that stage of the game when when you started on the oil?
2: Well, that was just after that was um 5 weeks after the chemo and radiation had ended. And they'd just taken an MRI which had shown that it had gone it had been significantly reduced in size, which for what I had it's it's it often responds well to chemo and radiation. So there was nothing bad, there was no bad news at that point. But the the doctors next step was to just uh, go in and cut everything out. And, you know, it's, 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 he wouldn't tell me. It was so funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's horrible, but it was funny. He wouldn't tell me that they were going to cut out my butthole, you know. And, but, you know, the, I knew that they that that's what was going to happen.
1: Well, that's um, just, a, just a small detail.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's just a small detail. You know, and the other uh. thing is is... Is i you know I'm reading all this stuff I'm reading you know medical journals that are intended for doctors and you know, okay, I struggled through some of them, but I could get some of the gist of what was going on and uh read through all these studies they had done in England and South America, other places well, there's only like a um fifty five percent chance that they would get all the cancer with the operation mm-hmm
1: this is a and if you and if story. you did
2: nothing at my stage, there was a forty-five percent chance that you know it was that that you would it wouldn't come back; it would just go away. So you know, it's like you're going to go through this major, major operation. It's not a it's not a small deal. You know, they have to come in through the front, and they're almost guaranteed to mess a bunch of other stuff up. Specifically, you know, the functioning of your parts that you want to have functioning uh, you know so not only are they going to take out your butt uh they're gonna mess something else up and there's no guarantee that they got the cancer so i'm like this is this is a really bad deal
0: jesus sounds bloody horrible just well, hearing you talk about it, it sounds horrible yeah and squirming <laughs> yeah i just <laughs> oh I mean, the, the thought of it I and mean, Corey's told the story many times about her uh Anal canal cancer and the doctors prescribing radiation, saying that it will close your. It'll your, fuse, fuse, fuse my rectum shut and my vagina. You know? Yeah, but then they said we can take care of that. Well, no, you can't take care of it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. They'll 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 take care of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> from their point of view. Yeah. Yeah. From their point of view, it'll be taken care of, just not yours.
1: <laughs> Bert, can I ask you a question? Um, you were talking about how um, the chemo and the radiation had uh, messed up other parts what did you mean by that
2: well it um i mean it was bad the chemo i don't really know i mean i I, the the first uh in the first part of the chemo it it made me feel better i I actually i mean i immediately felt better that week i remember quite well but um the radiation uh didn't make me feel better and it started to get really wearing um And by the end, it had taken, you know, I I checked on things. I'd I'd get out a mirror and look, you know, and I'm I'm interested in this stuff. I know, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that's gross. He's looking at his butt, but it doesn't bother me. And it had just turned into this large red cavern, of you know, just this horrible looking, uh, you know, thing, which I didn't really recognize as being a part of me. And uh, it turned out also in the MRI that the prostate was messed up. It was uh, swollen by it and turned into kind of a, they described it as being like spongy.
1: Wow, you are not the first person to tell me this.
2: You know, it's not, there's, there's still no sign of cancer in the prostate. It just had some, you know, some other tests after that. The, you know, but it's it's not operating correctly. I mean, it's, you know, I, I mean, it's...
1: It didn't care for the radiation.
2: No. I mean, this. you know, what they do as far as when it... I mean, doctors are great when it comes to, you know, fixing your eyes or fixing a broken leg or giving you a new joint. I mean, the things that they can do are absolutely amazing. But when they're dealing with cancer, it's like something out of the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think they know what they're doing at all. They're just, you know... Bert, when you,
0: yeah, when you talk about your prostate, does are you required? Uh, do you have this urgency to urinate now?
2: Not, no, no. I mean, I, it's it was yes, I did very much when it when that uh, by the time the chemo and the radiation was over. Well, I'd I'd spent some time. I predicted I was going to be sick, and I I've got a little tiny two story house, and I built a bed downstairs where the bathroom is, so I wouldn't have to go up and down these stairs. And it was really—I mean, I guess I was smart because by the time it was done, two hours did not go by, and I had to go to the—I had to go to the toilet every two hours, you know, for number one and number two, or just number one. But always, you know, you, you aren't going to—you aren't going to go more than two hours without, you know, having to pee.
0: And that's exhausting. And, uh, not getting any sleep.
2: Yeah, it's it's exhausting, and you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd go to the mall, and I all of a sudden, you know, the first thing I do when I go into a shopping center or something is scope out the toilets, you know, cause, you know, and I hope I don't have to break into a run, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because and I, basically I just tried to stay at home at that point, you know, it was it was just uh, it it was really bad, but um, I, I don't know, I never gave up or anything, or I never. I would have a couple down days and stuff. But after the chemo uh, was ended, that's when I really started thinking about what am I going to do? Because, you know, it's like they're done. I'm like, what? I'm just going to sit around and I'm not going to do anything. I mean, nobody's going to do anything about this. Well, you know, the medical system is fine with that, but I wasn't. And so I started looking into dietary things and stuff like that. And I came up with my... um, I mean, that's really hard to do because every every time you find something that sounds like it's good for somebody with cancer and you should eat that, you'll find another site that says never eat that. Yeah. It's, it's so confusing. But I, I made up my own concoction finally after reading and reading and reading and stuff. And it seemed to have extremely beneficial effects. What was your concoction? Uh, well, it's based on on Carrots garlic, ginger, turmeric, lemon, and hot pepper, and then I would add green or red cabbage, beets, you know, I mean, whatever I wanted to fill it up, because I was going through about five and a half to six pounds of vegetables every day. And that yielded about 750 uh, milliliters each time, so 15, one and a half liters, uh, mm-hmm. you know, per day of this juice. And I mean, when I'm saying garlic, I would, I use like two bulbs of garlic, not two cloves, but two full bulbs, bulbs. of garlic, yeah, in each, in each, you know, juicing. So, and a thumb-sized piece of ginger. And it's pretty potent stuff, but it tasted so good. I mean, I knew my body wanted this stuff. I, I gave it to somebody else once, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is horrible." You know, <laughs> but, but to me, and it's still I, you know, I just had some. I i I've dropped back to once per day now instead of twice, but I still do, it, you know, religiously once per day and it's still to me it just tastes so good. So I think that's a good sign that my body wanted this stuff.
0: Yeah, and you need the phytonutrients in it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: or, I don't know, but it's and it's it's great. It's kind of fun too. I mean, I you know the, the juicing process. I don't know, I kind of
0: enjoy that. But so you're you're juicing and you started to take the cannabis oil. What was that like for you?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, it was um surprising how stone you get <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's not that bad except I think it's just maybe it's you know for each person it's different but I, I don't like being uh, sitting around doing nothing and sometimes it, it um, I have no choice I have to go lay down I don't sleep I and mean, my mind's going at a thousand miles an hour but you know I, I just have to lay down so I do you know I mean this is a serious issue and if I have to lay down because I'm, you know, taking some medicine, it's, you know, well, just go do it.
0: I'm surprised to hear that you don't sleep because other people we've talked to uh, say that when they take the cannabis oil, they sleep a lot better.
2: I know. Well, okay, but I do sleep better. But, and, and here's, how I've, here's how I've dealt with it. If I, I can't take it orally before bed. Or if I do, I'll take it right before I go because you know it takes like a couple hours. Mm -hmm. So I'll take it right before I go to bed, and then then everything's okay. It's just I can't go to sleep when I am in that you know in that condition of being high. My mind is just working too fast. But I've oh that's one of the things that's improved. I mean before you know even before I was diagnosed with cancer, I'd never sleep the whole night through. And, um, of course, during the treatments and stuff, it was even worse and, and like that. But after I started taking the um, the cannabis, uh, I pretty much every night I sleep all night long. I never have to get up once. So, oh, what I was saying, though, was about... So now at night times, I take it suppositorily, if that's a word.
1: If it isn't, um, it is now.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so that... That pretty much. But this latest batch, I, see, I finally made some from the uh, from the cannabis I'd been growing, and the stuff I made in Amsterdam that's pretty. It was pretty strong. It was pretty, you know, heavy duty. But this stuff, oh my gosh, it, it just it, it, it I can feel it now. I get high even taking it rectally, you know. Yeah.
1: Is it um, a different strain than the stuff you were using? Yeah,
2: yeah. I've been concentrating on um, getting as many varieties as I can. And so up to date, I think I had a total of three or it might have been four. I don't remember in Amsterdam. It's a total of you know varieties combined together. And then I have a total of five varieties growing, two of which I've put into use so far. In in making my first batch at home here, so, and I go for the um, as far as the seed selection and for the uh, you know what I was buying in Amsterdam, I go for the high THC and medium CBD. And all indica? Well, I think there's one of them that's a sativa, which is um, it's called Skunk something or something, but it is it is a very strong smelling plant, but um, kind of skunky. I think it's a sativa, but no, I think most of them are indica.
0: Bert, where you live, uh, do people know you're on cannabis or is it something that you try and keep quiet?
2: You wouldn't mention it to a soul.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Not, 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 uh. Not no, even like
1: your best friend.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've, yeah, my, my girlfriend, I would, uh, you know, she, she's, well, she's the one who, one of the people who suggested it in the beginning.
1: Mm.
2: And so now I'm, I'm, I'm going to start making it for her too. She doesn't, doesn't have cancer or anything, but, you know, I think it's just healthy. I think any reasonable person should be having some in their diet.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, I think this, this, the smell of garlic, uh, will probably take away the smell of the, the plant that you've got growing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, that it does. If I leave that, you know, you get a huge amount of pulp from the juice, and yeah. if I leave that sitting on the counter, that garlic, it, it fills the whole house.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think uh, based on the conversations we've had, and Corey, uh, what do you think? He's doing exactly the right thing with the numerous strains. And... Yeah,
1: yes, very much so. Um, when I was in Prague, you know, we had this uh, conversation with a few of the doctors there, and we spoke about the fact that um, we see more success when people mix up strains when they're trying to treat cancer than when they just use one?
2: Yeah, it just seems like that would make sense, you know? Kind of cover and, up. And, how, and there's so little, I mean, I guess there is a lot of research on it, but, but you know, it just it, it just makes sense that you should try, uh, you know, because you don't know what each plant has.
1: Yeah, they all have varying degrees of, yeah. of different, different levels of cannabinoids, etc. So, yeah, you're covering all your bases that way.
2: Do you know anything about that decarboxylating? Is that the right word? Process? Uh, Where you heat it up? Yes. You know, you're supposed to heat it up to like 220 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: I'm not sure on the temperature, but um, did you not heat yours when you were making the oil?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's heated up, but you know, I mean, the the alcohol I use, uh, you know, uh, um, ethyl alcohol, it 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 uh, you know, it evaporates at 80 degrees Celsius. So um, you know, it never gets it never gets up to like um, I guess would that be 150 or no, would it be 200. No, see that's over boiling. But I, I was seeing in some videos about that process where they heat it up, but um, maybe that's just so they can get more high or something. I don't know. Decarboxylation
1: by definition is just warming it up, is it not? Oh yeah, I don't. You know, and, and certainly so. You've done that step. I'm really not sure on exact temperatures or whatever but just the process Mm -hmm. of heating it i believe is um, what you need to do
2: but i you know i think i came up with a uh, uh something i haven't seen in any videos online and other people might like this um but one of the things in the process and i just make it like an ounce at a time 30 grams approximately an ounce at a time one of the problems or difficulties in it is when you're filtering it and people are just putting it through a coffee filter, which works great. I did it like that, but it takes so long. And it also looks to me like it's leaving a lot of stuff in that filter, which I wish was in the oil. So I use an AeroPress coffee maker. If you know what
1: that is, no, and Ian and I are both looking puzzled. No, explain that.
2: Uh, look up an Aeropress coffee maker. It's just—it's like this. It's like a piece of a lab equipment. It's got a filter in the bottom. and You put the coffee in, and you fill it up with water, and then it's got a rubber plunger, you know, that goes down through it and pushes the. Oh and
0: it yeah. Worked,
2: it works so good
0: mm-hmm.
2: for this uh, process. It just really sped things up. I was really pleased with the results, and I and I do three rinses on it. Which, uh, so far, on every batch, I've gotten over 10 grams per ounce of oil. So I think it's wow. been working been really well.
0: Interesting. Bert, when was the last time you had a test for cancer?
2: Well, I just got the results of some blood tests today. And they're not, they're not final, and they're in a, a language which I, I still haven't learned very well. So I've, I've still got to wait. But I was, you know, I was going through them online. And uh, there's, as far as I can tell, there's there's no bad readings on anything.
0: And you feel good? You feel uh, you feel healthy?
2: Be- better than I've felt in 10 years. Easily 10 years.
1: How much oil would you say you've consumed? Grams-wise, let's just say in grams. Yes,
2: yes. I, I, so far, 22 grams. 22 grams. And
1: how, how often are you doing it?
2: Every single well, every single day, and then I, I try to um, I try to take the most at night, and I put it in the suppositories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then, uh, another problem, which might be useful information for other people too, another problem that I had with it was, you know, this anybody who's tasted it knows it's kind of a peppery, kind of a spicy, peppery taste,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it. Um, You know, it's just like hot peppers. Well, you know, hot peppers burn when you eat them and they burn when they come out. And I think that's what was happening to me with the suppositories because I'd load those things up with maybe more than I should have. And then they it would start to be irritating and burn. Then it would want to, you know, the you know, my butt saying, well, you know what, that's going out. And I'm saying, no, no, keep it in and say, no, it's coming. and So you'd lose it. And that's Mm. really disappointing because that stuff's expensive, you know. So I started mixing it, um, one part, I just took the oil and mixed it one part uh, oil to two parts coconut oil, then I melt that and fill up the double zero size, uh, you know, um, gel caps with that stuff, and that seems to have, uh, there's like no irritation now.
1: So you were just doing it straight oil before?
2: Yeah, and it was. Yeah. I would, I'd put the straight oil in there, and then I'd, I'd, you know, I'd kind of like fill it up with, um, the coconut oil. But that wasn't blending them together. No, you know, so you'd put it in, and here's this glob of uh, of the oil, and it was a little irritating. So I don't know. It's just something that that uh, you know, what problem that I kind of worked through, and maybe it maybe it's helpful for another person.
0: Well, Bert, it's good to know that you're on the road to recovery. It doesn't appear as though uh, your cancer has spread. It may probably is gone by now. And uh, will you continue using cannabis for the rest of your life?
2: Uh, I'll tell you what else is gone is the hemorrhoids. Ah. They just disappeared. I mean, I, you know, I'm putting my finger up there every night at least once or twice, you know. I, I know what's going on. I, you know, you can feel them. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're gone
0: that's great it's
2: smooth as a whistle (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great any words in
0: conclusion bert that you want to tell folks
2: well if i if i was going to do this all over again with this type of cancer which you know it's it wasn't any it wasn't an emergency situation obviously you know the hospitals weren't concerned about it the time just went by slowly and I should have just taken the two months and started with the, you know, went to Amsterdam, immediately gotten the oil and, and started in on that. Um, and then with maybe with my juicing too, I, I don't know. That's, um, but I, I would have done that differently because the, the radiation and the, and the chemo were damaging. And I, I don't know if that damage from that is, is permanent, you know, but it's, it's, it's not fun to
0: deal with. No it's great to talk to you Bert and appreciate your story and uh, all the best in the future thank you very much
2: all right well thank you guys so
1: much yeah thanks Bert we really appreciate you stepping forward and coming on <laughs>
2: well it's I, I had a little I had a few butterflies but I'm okay now
0: <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> thanks so much all right and that's it another edition of cannabis health radio wherever you are in the world thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show.